welcome to the very first episode of the Palace Cinemas podcast, because we thought there's no better time to talk about the cinema experience and new films when all of our cinemas are closed and there are absolutely no new theatrical releases to talk about. Logic aside, I'm Alex Moyer, National Marketing Manager of Palace Cinemas, and joining as co-hosts for every episode are the Astor Theatre's General Manager and Programmer, Dr. Zach Hepburn, and our Queensland General Manager, Jordan Bastian. We recorded this first episode gloriously lo-fi, telephoning in from an appropriate social distance from Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, so please forgive the occasional glitch or barking dog. But we talk about how we all got started in the cinema, the Cannes Film Festival's refusal to go digital, and what draws audiences back to the cinema with retrospective content. Zach, you're probably the most famous of the three of us. Let's start with you. That's, that's very kind of you. Hopefully uh, infamous and, and, and uh, is not the right word, but, um, um, yeah, famous for what? But, uh, no, look, I, I started out, um, you know, pretty much like anyone who's uh, worked in a cinema. I love movies and it just seemed like the logical sort of way to uh, uh, get a job, being around things you love uh, as, a, uh, as a popcorn jockey, uh, as I like to refer to it. I uh, started out at the Westgarth Cinema in Melbourne in 2006 and uh, have been with Palace kind of uh, off and on since then. Um, I, around 2010, I started this late night cult program called Cult Vault, uh, which was like midnight screenings uh, at the Westgarth. They were all on 35 millimeter, and they were kind of heavily influenced by what was coming out of dates then via like the New Beverly or the uh, Alamo Draft House, uh, with like you know curated trailers and stuff beforehand. So that kind of got me into the programming mind space uh, and then subsequently I've uh, done some other freelance programming for some other locations uh, when I had a little bit of a sabbatical uh, from Palace and I finished my master's in film studies and uh, my other my other uh, university studies that kind of came after that and uh, then uh, around 2015 when Palace took over the uh, Astor uh, Theatre in Melbourne, uh, I came back on board and are now looking after the repertory sort of side of programming and uh, looking after that venue. Um, and then in between that I was involved uh, with uh, film criticism. I was the chair of the Australian Film Critics Association uh, for a little while and uh, also did some work on ABC Radio which then led me to do uh, ABC News Breakfast uh, reviews uh, weekly uh, on the television show there. And uh, now that I have placed my dog Kubrick on that show, I feel that I'll be replaced by Kubrick <laughs> in about three or four weeks' time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to uh, pass the baton to him because he's very knowledgeable as well. I mean, I obviously knew you had a dog, but I just I never thought to ask his name. And Kubrick is just, of course, he's named Kubrick. Um, well, so also so much like a Kubrick as well. <laughs> we 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 had uh, Keir Delay and uh, Gary uh, Lockwood uh, at uh, the Asta um, for a 2001 screening, and brought the dog to meet them. And they said that they felt that the dog looked like Stanley Kubrick, which I thought, <laughs> really, um, you know. Um, Anyone was going to say that, they would they would know. Um, and Jordan, what about you? I also love that I get to follow Zach. Like, here is Australia's movie man now, Jordan. Um, I started at Dendi, uh, Dendi George Street, which is a two-screen, very haunted, very scary cinema in the middle of Brisbane as a projectionist and then worked at a retrospect cinema. We played a lot of cult stuff, a lot of midnight screening stuff. Um, from there, I jumped ship to Palace as a projectionist, slowly worked my way up to state manager and, yeah, I run the Brisbane Film Collective. I do a lot of our cult programming. I annoy Kim, our head programmer, a lot uh, for films. 
and I run Cinema Obscura, which is a secret cinema in Brisbane. You, you annoy him for good films, so, you know. For you, good films, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm going to follow that with even, even less of a qualified resume, but, uh, I mean, I started out, you know, growing up loving movies, so naturally went to do my advanced diploma of screen and media with the idea that I would work in the film industry making movies but uh after a few experiences making movies on set that wasn't that wasn't for me uh but i found myself being a lot more fascinated by audiences watching a movie rather than the making of the movie itself uh so i did a little bit of thinking about who gets to study the audience the most and after watching a few too many episodes of Mad Men, I thought, well, advertising. <laughs> um, so I went to, back to university to do a public communications degree, um, specialising in advertising, and coincidentally at the same time, to support that, I got a casual job at Palace. And it's been a real dream job ever since. You know, going on from that, obviously we all love cinema and love the cinema experience, but obviously we're all now closed and there's more and more talk about moving new films and even film festivals to digital platforms, which, you know, my biggest concern is this could force a permanent change to the cinema-going landscape, even if things, or when things, do return to normal. Um, But the Cannes Film Festival director recently came out and said that should all else fail, the film festival will not be going digital, saying that directors of films are driven by the idea that their movies will be shown on a big screen and that sharing them with others at events like film festivals and that their works weren't made originally to be end up on an iPhone. I mean, what do we all make of this? I think um, I think it was a really important move that Khan came out and said this and really important for their reputation and their livelihood. They're one of the kind of few remaining festivals that really grounds itself in the cinema-going experience as well as film as much as possible. I mean, South by Southwest have come out and said they're going to stream their festival, which is yeah. perfect for their audience. But I think it just reaffirms the fact that certain filmmakers want their films shown in a cinema because... Ultimately, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than proper projection, proper sound, lights down. There's so much work that goes on behind the scenes to make things happen for people that I don't think people realise at a cinema, that I think if you took it away from them, they would they just take it for granted. Does that make sense? Yeah. The amount of times we spend, like, you know, looking at aspect ratios, look at, looking at colouring of films, making sure lights go down at the exact right time, um, we still play with auto mids at James Street because we have curtains and we can. And I think it's important to keep these traditions alive. And I'm happy to see that Khan has really kind of put their foot down with that. Yeah, that's that's, that's a really good point, Jordan. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, different platforms offer different varieties and they offer different methods of engagement you know i don't i don't think that we'd all be sitting down in cinema for seven hours watching uh joe exotic in tiger king um, <laughs> <laughs> if you were i'd love to meet you and talk to you and uh you know have have, a, have an exchange but yeah you know i think there's a, a real beautiful simplicity of a, of, of a film being presented at the cinema but there's so many things that go into that simplicity that it's incredibly you know complicated but you know to, to an audience it should be a seamless presentation and i think Harnessing that and having that legitimacy for certain titles is really what people 
go to the cinema for and, and search out that cinematic experience for. Uh, you know, it, it might be something uh, that's a, a very uh, eclectic experience uh, if you're looking at more of a, a sort of like uh, you know, art house or, or, or alternative program. But, you know, there's a, there's a tweet that's going around uh, Twitter at the moment because uh, we're coming up on a, a, a year anniversary of Avengers Endgame soon. And there's this um, tweet going around uh, where someone recorded the, um, the, the audience reaction uh, to uh, one of the first screenings when uh, Captain America gets Thor's hammer and, 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 and wields that. And just that kind of rapturous uh, communal engagement that you get from a, a big screen experience with a full cinema, that, that is something that you can't replicate. And, you know, it's, it's a cliche to say, but it, it is true. And I think, you know, lo- looking at the sort of presentation aspect of things and looking at the sort of communal engagement on certain films, that is what the cinematic experience is, and I think that's what we're all hooked on. Uh, so, you know, whilst I think there, there's avenues for so, so many different narratives in the world and so many different platforms of viewing these narratives, um, certain films do need that injection of that communal experience, of that unique presentation, and, and cinema is the only way to offer that. And that, that's something I think we're all yearning to get back to and uh, something that I think we all have very fond memories of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this isn't a new idea of things going straight to digital or straight to videos, bypassing the theatrical window. And, and many of my favourite films and my favourite film experiences I've experienced alone on VHS, DVD, you know, Blu-ray, streaming. I didn't grow up in the 1970s, but I've watched countless films from the 1970s. But I think the thing I love most about the cinema, aside from the obvious communal experiences, we have this kind of unique limitation set upon us um, that these new platforms don't. And that's this idea of, with, you know, the amount of screens we have uh, kind of identifies films that you should see. We might only have four screens in a venue, we put the film we think is going to do the, the best in the biggest screen. We give it the most show times. And that's sort of naturally telling people, hey, this is the film you should go and see. And there's a kind of energy about that that you just don't get when you're clicking through a streaming platform or even when you're sort of going through the mass collections of new release, whether it used to be in the video store or uh, now on your, you know, Apple TV or whatever device you use. Ultimately, I think the cinema experience is showing us films that we wouldn't normally find. It's like a platform to launch. And I think that's what Khan does the most. I mean, imagine if Parasite went straight to streaming. It would have been immediately more accessible to everyone, but I don't think anywhere near as many people would have seen it. That's one of my favourite things about working in cinema is looking at these smaller films, looking at these films that perhaps people will just walk by the first time and figuring out how to get them to see it, whether it's like clever trailering on more mainstream stuff or special events or theming them in a special way or like like I love looking at what Zach does at the Astor with retrospect stuff as well. You know, the amount of times we've had late-night crafting sessions of paper mache Harry Potter pop props or, or doing what we need to just give it that little bit extra just to catch people's attention I think that that's really exciting and I think it's really exciting to have those conversations with people when they come in where they're just like there's that instant energy of like, oh, my God, I saw that film that, you know, you recommended and it was just so amazing and who would have thought and blah, blah, blah. And I think there's something really exciting about that. That's, I think, the best thing about working in cinema, especially working at Palace, is 
is giving people the avenue to see these films and direct them to things that are exciting and new and different. I think the concept of, um, yeah, following on from what we're discussing, is the, the, the concept of signature is really important. And I think that's something that uh, can get lost in translation and transmission sometimes too, is like, you know, the, the idea that you're, you're guiding uh, patrons on a journey, uh, whether that be a sort of thematic or curatorial journey, and you're their shepherd. In, the, in this sort of, uh, you know, sea of content now. Like there's, there's so much content. And I think that's something we're really going to see when people start to go back to uh, the cinema as per normal, whatever that new normal may be. But uh, they'll be, you know, so deprived of that that curatorial aspect where you go, no, this is this is something to look at or this is something to look at. You know, the, the, the algorithm and, and the streaming queue doesn't really have that. It's just sort of like this mass white noise of content that it just kind of throws at the wall to see what sticks. But if you have someone that you trust and you have a signature that you trust in, having that signature endorse something I think is really vital and that's that's something that I think, you know, even, even goes back to the days of, uh, you know, Margaret and David and stuff. You know, I, I remember being on the front lines of, of the cinema and if, if Margaret and David hadn't endorsed a film, you'd be, you know, so... Oh. ...to get someone to go... <laughs> Film. If they had, if they had given it the kiss of death, that film, that wasn't working for anybody. But you know, it, it, you know that 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 signature and that kind of um, that 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 um, that that way of endorsing something has now branded out to see uh, you know companies and, and cinema chains uh, kind of uh, acknowledging that in a way and saying you know if we're putting that on our screen, that is an endorsement. Uh, we're not just playing this to play it. And I think, you know, that, that is the one thing that's come out of this boom of, of, of all these competing platforms and all these competing markets is that the, um, the, the cinema still has a legitimacy. And if it's on the cinema screen, there's a reason it's on the cinema screen. And I, th- I think that's something that's really important to, to remember as we, as we move into this kind of next, next stage and next evolution of the, uh, of the marketplace. Yeah, and I guess that even this endless sea of content that we all have access to now um, even when the films are readily available to access at home, people will still flock to the cinema if we put it on screen and say this is worth seeing again or this is worth seeing again for the first time, which sort of leads me into my next point, which is the Aster is most famously a, a, a repertory theatre um, that you create, Zach, with the, you know, the odd new release now and then. And then, Jordan, you also, as you said before, program and create a smaller series of retrospectives in Brisbane. These repertory screenings can, you know, get hundreds of turn-ups for each session. And, and Zach, in the case of the Aster, sometimes close to 1,000 for your single screen. I mean, why is that? Um, look, that's, that's a really good question, Alex. I, I don't know. Is the is the is the is the, um, the 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 honest answer? I think you know you just have to keep your ear to the ground and 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 trust your gut feeling uh, when you're programming them, and and you've got to be you know open to taking risks, uh, particularly in the retro game. And you know some things work and some things don't. When they work, they really work. And I think there is a there's a thirst for um, you know reengaging with with classic works and, and favorite works in that big screen environment and I think as Jordan touched on too you know um, we, we often kind of eventize things we, we try and make things a little bit special you know, something like for example the, the talking heads uh, stop making sense dance party you know we give out uh, lamps for people to pass around during the film burn <laughs> dances with a lamp you know and, and those little flourishes that just make uh, that experience memorable for the audience, uh, but you know it's it's just about having fun, and it's just about uh, acknowledging that you know cinema and certain cinematic films imprint on us, and we want to share that communally 
uh, with our fellow audiences. And, you know, there, there is, I think, you know, a, a legitimacy of, of putting a film on the Asta calendar to say, look, this is a, a sort of canonistic film and, and we want to celebrate it. Uh, and, look, you know, uh, if, if we can make cats work uh, in, a, in, a, <laughs> in a midnight setting, uh, I'm pretty sure we can do uh, anything. So, look, it's, it's always very humbling uh, to see uh, people turn up and, and embrace the concept. So uh, I'm eternally grateful for that. But, uh, yeah, look, to, to be honest with you, there's no real map. If I had it, I would I would certainly tell you and I would be sticking to it, but you're just going to go keep your ear to the ground, look at the zeitgeist and say, look, people might be interested in this and if they are, great, and if they're not, well, on to the next one. There's always that feeling when you when you program something that's, I mean, there is the repertoire of films that are, that are always going to hit, like 2001's always going to hit. You're always going to get a crowd to, to that sort of stuff. But when you program something that's like slightly different, and I don't know about you, Zach, but I'm sitting there at home, like refreshing the numbers, trying to be like, come on, just give me, give me more than 50 people at this screening. Like, please make this a success. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's always. You have your baby sometimes and sometimes, you know, they, 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 they need a little bit more finessing. Um, and, not, you know, I'm always like that with the Halloween marathons we're doing. It's just, there's this weird alchemy that just, has to gel and you know sometimes it, it works and sometimes it doesn't but when it works it it really works so and, yeah love it. and I think there's I think there is a pattern to things I think that there are surefire classics that you can play that will get an audience and that's because um you know because they will always want to be seen at the cinema because they were made to be seen at the cinema and if you can get them on a print and better yet a good print then of course people are going to want to come and see that but I think there's also that we're in a generation where kind of millennials that have money to spend grew up watching a lot of stuff that's cult on VHS and DVD and were maybe too young or like I grew up, you know, in North Queensland where I didn't get a chance to see a lot of movies that weren't mainstream at the cinema. So the second I see them being shown somewhere, like, of course, I want that experience. I want to I see it at the cinema with the lights down and I want to see it with a full audience of people that are also excited to see it. And then you've got your other element where we just take things and have fun with them. I think, like, Cats is the same. We did Cats in Brisbane and sold out instantly and I've never seen an audience more adoring of Judy Dench. And this is from someone who manages cinemas with a lot of old people that love Judy Dench. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's taking those and letting people have fun with them and kind of just stripping back the rules. And as long as you don't slash my screen or, you know, deface the property, I'm okay with you having fun and dancing in the aisles and throwing streamers in the air or plastic spoons at my screen like go for it have the fun that you want to have that's that's why we're here that's why we do this yeah I mean I, I kind of like to think of these repertory things as almost like a, a metric for I, I know the cinema experience is alive and well when we do things like I mean Zach recently you um, programmed call me by your name as the Valentine's Day screening for the Aster, Jordan then saw this and Jordan went, yeah, that'd be great to do here in Queensland as well. And then I piggybacked on on both of you and went, hey, this would be great to do nationally. Um, and they all sold out. Um, every single session sold out. We ended up having to open up even more and more screens to fill in demand. Um, Zach, you sold out 900 seats at the Aster. Jordan, I think you sold, what, like four or five screens of it? Yeah. Filled the Chevelle in Sydney. Um, filled multiple screens at Electric in Canberra, Paradiso in Perth, 
also filled. Coincidentally, that same night, it screened for free on SBS. So, so I think, I, I think that, that, that they, uh, they put that in after I, I put that out. I think it was, <laughs> on the for, it was on the national calendar for a number of number of weeks before that, that turned up. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, you've said it in one, Alex. I mean, you know, the fact that everyone was able to, 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 um, to get on board with that concept and, and embrace it in their own way, in their own state, and combat a free screening on on television. I mean, if, if that doesn't showcase the first for communal experiences and, and, and connecting with a film on a big screen, I, I don't know what else does. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, I was really, really uh, humbled to, to see everyone on the circuit in, in embrace uh, that concept and, and even more humbled to have the audiences embrace it. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I mean, as, as short as the 2020 cinematic experience has been so far, that was that, it's going to be one of the standouts of my uh, of my year, if not one of the things I'll remember forever in my career. It's just the overwhelming love. I mean, obviously, it's Valentine's Day; everyone's loving each other, but it was just um, an extraordinary experience to see those kind of numbers come through and that kind of response. And even people that had seen the film 10, 20 times um, were talking about how it felt like they were watching it for the first time again. And that communal experience, that that energy, uh, that magic, I just, I think that's what makes cinema special and I think that's what keeps well, it on. I mean, that film in particular is just such a perfect Valentine's Day film because it, I mean, as Timothy Chalamet aside, who could do no wrong, like you've got, you've got people that are in love watching it together for the first time and rejoicing in all those like beautiful heart-wrenching feelings. And then you've got single people that identify with the back end of the film and it kind of just brings everyone together in this really, really melancholic but beautiful way. And if you can throw anything else special at that, then that's, that's just, you know, it's, it's exactly what you want when you see, see a film together. And it's, I think it's crazy that, like, we did get so many people through the door for that and it was so successful. But it didn't feel like this rushed getting people through the door, like, sensation that quite a big films do. Yeah, it was this, I think, this really beautiful, lovely moment that we could kind of share with our audience and, and kind of our love letter to them in a way, which I just think was, it was so lovely. It was such a lovely night to be a part of. And in Queensland, we, we took a step where we emailed everyone that had purchased tickets and asked them if they had a love note that they'd like to put on the screen. And so our pre-show, we scrapped our pre-show and it was just like love letters between the audience that we had projected on the screen. And that was just, I don't know, it was a very loved up feeling. I could gush over it for a really long time. Oh my God, I'm stealing that for next year. We, we, we just played a, a loop of uh, Army Hammer uh, saying good morning to people in a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's, uh, I'll, I'll take my hat off to you, Jordan. That's a great idea as well. that wraps it up for our very first episode join us next time when we talk about some of our favorite films from 2020 so far what we're really looking forward to once all this madness ends and some of our favorites from 2019 that you could now access at home